So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 7th of November, it's the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme uh, again this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we doing? Good. Thanks a lot for joining me, Shane. And of course, myself and Shane both want to welcome our listeners who are housebound, a very important part of our listenership, those who are lonely and struggling in some way. And our listeners, of course, who support us each week in prayer. Thank you so much indeed for those prayers because we know we need them. And thank you so much. Our podcast includes interviews, chat and faith topics, um, inspirational music, reflecting on the Sunday Gospel. And of course, all of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.com or at our blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Also, we can, our, our, program, our podcast can be heard on Spotify and iTunes, and also on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. You can contact us, if you wish, by texting us on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or email, comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, with this part of the program, we invite Shane to share some saints for the week, accompanying us in this month of November. Yes, John. So as you said, this month of November, so we're into the month of November, the month of the Holy Souls. Now, just an update on last week's podcast, where we had mentioned um, that the partial indulgence for the Holy Souls is available normally from the 1st of November to the 8th of November. And it's generally um, where a member of the faithful would you know, pray for the Pope, visit chapel, pray for the Pope's intentions, our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be, get confession and communion. Um, so that's and that you know partial indulgence available for the holy souls so the apostolic penitentiary has announced that that's actually available for the entirety of the month of november um so uh the the apostolic penitentiary is one of the kind of the departments of the roman curia in the vatican and they look after things like this they deal with what's called the inner forums with things all around the sacrament of confession and the apostolic penitentiary is actually one of the few departments of the the bureaucracy in Rome that continues working even when there is no Pope. Um, so even in, even in conclave, the, the apostolic penitentiary has to be accessible outside the conclave. But anyway, they've announced that it, the indulgence it is available for the entirety of the month of November like they did last year due to the uh, COVID pandemic. In terms of just notices as well, just to remind people, 14th of November is the Mass from Knock at 3 p.m. on the TV and on knocktrine.ie, where all the bishops will go up and pray. It's the memorial service for those that have died during COVID. Um, so that's, again, just to remind people, that's on the 14th of November, and it's been, it's, it's been shown on the news, CRT News Now uh, channel on television. Uh, also, just to say to people, just to remind them, our friends uh, Noreen Lynch and the t- and down in the FCJ Spiritual House, Spirituality House in Spanish Point, they are running various events over the uh, week. Well, they're running various events, so make sure you check out their Facebook page. Um, I couldn't, uh, myself and John were to start going down to all the events, we'd be here for about 20 minutes. So if you check, check out their Facebook page and their website, and just to see there's different things as meditation, spirituality, learning a song, and different things like that. Also, just to flag, uh, no, I don't have it here in front of me, but we'll bring it up again next week. So Martina Lahan Sheehan is going doing a talk, Trellis for the Soul, and we'll get the details and we'll have that available for listeners as well. 
uh, next week. And then also just to remind people that the Advent at the Abbey, so that's the Advent Talks from our Clinstall Abbey on each Sunday of Advent, starting on the 28th of November at 3.30 p.m. in the library, also available on the uh, Glenstall live stream camera. And they'll be, you know, uh, with, there's the, the talk at 3.30, there's refreshments, there's then a reflection on music and Advent, and then people are invited to join the monks for Vespers evening prayer at 6 o'clock. So that's for the four Sundays of Advent. Just to note that the Glenstall Abbey School Carol Service is on the 5th of December. Also, just to remind people that there are Advent talks being hosted by Knock. Uh, they're the Thursdays of the weeks of, of the weeks of, 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 of Advent. And our good friend Father Eamon Conway is going to be involved with those talks as well. And they are on the Synod and Synodality, the Synod from Rome, if people want to tune in and the details are on the Knock Shrine website. So one thing just to say it to our listeners as well on the podcast this morning. So a friend of the podcast, friend of the program is Eva McGrath. She is a lecturer in pastoral theology in Maynooth, in the Maynooth University and at the seminary in Maynooth. So they are currently undertaking some research into the impact on the traditional Irish funeral, both in terms of COVID and also the changes due to modern life and changing dynamics of our social world in Ireland. So for those that are interested to participate in a short, brief online survey, uh, if you go to Minute University, you would be able to see the link to the, um, the survey to be, to, be, to, be, to be taken. And for those that are listeners on the podcast, we will also push it into the podcast notes for those that want to click through. So that's just to, for those that want to be interested. I think it'd be an interesting piece of research that they're undertaking to understand the changing dynamics of Irish funerals. And for those that may have seen it, there was actually an article in the Irish Times during the week uh, that Aoife uh, had put in just explaining what the research was going to do if you want to have a look at it. Now, as John said, in terms of liturgical odds and ends for the week, we are, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. It's the 32nd week in ordinary time. So uh, Monday, the 8th of November, is the Feast of John John Scotus. Now, this guy's an interesting one. He's a heavy hitter in terms of saints. Um, so he is because uh, he's he was a Franciscan saint. Sorry, I beg your pardon. He was a Franciscan saint. Um, and he is actually Scottish, I'm going to say. Um, I think he's Scottish. I've just realized it. Yes, Berwick in Scotland. He was born in 1266. And he's a Franciscan saint. He was ordained in 1291 at St. Andrew's Church. He lectured at Oxford and Cambridge, lectured very much involved um, in Paris as well. He was very much involved in promoting um, the Augustinian Franciscan tradition, preceded the wisdom of St. Thomas Aquinas, and was also kind of an independent thinker. So he's a very serious uh, doctor of the church. He's what's called a subtle doctor. Um, and his ideas led to the founding of school of scholastic thoughts called Scotism. Scotism. Um, he died in Germany in... 1308 of Natural Causes at Cologne. Now, the interesting thing about John Scotus is his works influence us down to the present day because he was one of the writers who was those that formulated our understanding of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, which was used by Pope Pius IX when he defined the dogma in 1854. 
So that's one of the reasons why he's John Don Scotus still is on the calendar. On the 9th of November, we celebrate the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. The, the Basilica of St. John on the Lateran is uh, it's an important one because it is, it is defined, or is this, it is called the mother and head of all the churches of the city and the world. And the reason for that, of course, is it is the cathedral, it is the cathedral of the Bishop of Rome. So, of course, i.e. the Pope. It's not St. Peter's, it's not St. Mary Major. John Lateran is the Pope's cathedral. And, of course, the Pope, as head of the church, is head of the church because he's the Bishop of Rome. Um, so it's the cathedral, it's the it's the cathedral church of St. Bishop of the Bishop of the Bishop of Rome, and it's called St. John after the two monasteries which were once dedicated to St. John the Divine and St. John the Baptist. But actually, technically, the cathedral is dedicated to the most holy savior. So it gets a bit confusing. <laughs> it has a couple of names attached to it. <laughs> Now, for any Irish person that goes to Rome, you're trying to remember which one of the buildings is St. John Lateran, St. John and the Lateran. It's the big compounds, the big cathedral, the big basilica, which is nearest the Irish college in Rome. So it's if you're if you're if you're in Rome, it's kind of it's the one nearest to the Irish college. And the famous thing about St. John Lateran as a, as, a, as a church is it used to be the home of the of the Holy See of the of the Pope. The popes used to live in, in the Lateran Palace. Um, there was the baptistry at the Lateran was where Constantine was christened, or baptised, I should say. And numerous councils were held there. And as I said, it is still the cathedral city, the cathedral of the bishop of the city of Rome as well. And as such, that's why we celebrate its dedication on the 9th of November. On the 10th of November, we celebrate the feast day of St. Saint, Saint Leo the Great, um, Pope who died in 461. Now, Pope is, uh, Leo is one of these popes whose writings still come down to us right down to the present day. He was very much involved. Um, well, there's a couple of things why he's called great. First of all, he's associated with defending the city of Rome from Attila the Hun. Um, when Attila marched on Rome, Leo went out to meet him and pleaded for him to leave the city. And the tradition goes that as Leo spoke, Attila saw the vision of a man in priestly robes carrying a bare sword and threatening to kill the invader if he did not obey Leo. And so Attila turned around and left. And generally it's believed that Attila actually saw, had a vision of um, St. Peter. So it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, so that's one of the things. But more, more, more definitely what we know about Leo and his contribution to the history of the church is his involvement in fighting and condemning heresies of the day. He, he fought against Nestorianism, Monophysism, Manchism, and Pelagianism. And he is most famous for contributing on the understanding of the natures of Christ, both human and divine, at the Council of Chalcedon in 451. And he also contributed to the understanding of the primacy of the See of St. Peter. Now, the Council of Chalcedon is an important one. It will generally fly over most people's heads, but it's important because it sets up very important things that we define in terms of our understanding of Jesus and who he was as being both human and divine. And Leo's intervention at that council was seen as being very important in terms of guiding the decision that the council came to. So that's why he is remembered, particularly in, in connection with the Council of Chalcedon. Then on the 11th of November, we have the feast day of St. Martin of Tours, who died in 397. Bishop of Tours, apostle of rural Gaul, founder of quite a number of monasteries, one of the patrons of France. He's also a patron of soldiers, beggars, and innkeepers. 
Now, unusual combination. The reason being, Martin was a soldier and he converted before um, and and became um, a monk. Uh, secondly, of course, the beggar reference, of course, is to, is to the tradition that he halved his cloak to share it with a beggar who was actually, um, uh, I'm not sure, yes, who halved his, halved his cloak to share it with a beggar, I beg your pardon. So that's Martin of Tours, whose feast day we celebrate on the 11th of November. On the 12th of November, we celebrate the feast day of St. Jehoshaphat, a saint of the Ukrainian church, died in 1623. He worked very much for the reunion of the Ukrainian Catholics with the Church of the West, and he was murdered by those who opposed that reunification, and his, his murder actually brought about a great many conversions. And then finally, on Saturday the 13th, we have the feast day on the Irish calendar of Blessed Robert Fitzgerald, who is one of the Irish martyrs. He was a layman in the Archdiocese of Dublin, and he was martyred on the 13th of November in 1581 in Dublin, and he was beatified by John Paul II in 1992. So that's what we have, John, in terms of celestial guides for this week. Also, actually, one thing which we forgot to do last week, John, as it is the beginning of the month, just to remind people what the Pope's intention is. So the Pope's intention for the month of November, that people who suffer from depression, we pray that people who suffer from depression or burnout will find support and a light that opens them up to life. So that's the Pope's prayer intention for the month of November. Quite appropriate given the climatic uh, surroundings for us at the moment in the Northern Hemisphere, John. Thank you. So now uh, it's uh, time for a, a little prayer space here and uh, come and see inspirations. And this morning I picked um, a morning prayer. Uh, a lot of people might even pray this as a, as a morning offering. God in my life, I welcome this new day. It's your gift to me, a new creation, a promise of resurrection. I thank you for the grace of being alive this morning. I thank you for the sleep that's refreshed me. I thank you for this chance to make a new beginning. This day, Lord, is full of promise and opportunity. Let me waste none of it. This day is full of mystery and the unknown. Help me to face it without fear or anxiety. This day is blessed with beauty and adventure. Let me fully be alive to it. During this day, keep me thoughtful, prayerful and kind. May I be courteous and helpful to others, and not turned in on myself. Keep me from any word that would hurt, or belittle, or destroy, and may the thoughts of my mind be pleasing in your sight. When night comes again, may I look back on this day with no grievance or bitterness in my heart, and may nobody be unhappy because of anything I have done or anything I failed to do. Lord, bless this day for me and for everyone. Make it a day in which we grow to have the mind of Christ, your Son. Lord Jesus Christ, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen. So to follow that, and just to finish off this first part of the podcast, we'll um, play a beautiful piece of music by... Um, People actually we met many years ago from the United States, uh, Longulus, and this this piece of music is entitled This Day God Gives Me. So join us again in part two of the podcast. This day God gives me strength of high heaven. 
Welcome back to Common Sea Inspirations. And this morning on today's podcast, we are going to do one which is a bit more reflective. And we invite you to take a time out. You can listen to this podcast at, podcast at any stage throughout the month of November, as we invite you to pause and reflect on November as the month of our beloved dead. As we begin this time of music, reflection, and poetry, we invite you to light a candle. And perhaps to have near you maybe the list of your dead, or maybe your memorial cards or photos of those you wish to remember. Take a deep breath and light your candle now. Watch how the flame bursts forth, first with the flick of the match, and then dies a little before the flame catches on the wick. Focus on the moment and gather yourself together. And just take a deep breath in and out. The lighting of the candle is an action that all of us, whether we are of faith or none, can do. We light a light to drive away the darkness. The lighting of the light of watching the dancing flame of a fire is something which, you know, we as humans have done for millennia. And it's something of a comfort to us, which appeals and speaks to our deepest inner spaces. We gather to push back the darkness of November. In November, in Ireland for many millennia, the month of November, or Samhain, has been very much the month of the dead. From pre-Christian to modern times, it's been set aside as a thin time, a thin space, when the seasons call us to pause. They call us to remember, to stop, to reflect, and to grieve. Oh 
Catholic Christian tradition, November is the month of the Holy Souls, where we pray for those who have left this mortal world, world. November can be a hard month for many people, as we recall the memory of our beloved dead, for sometimes the dead can drive you hard. But with the darkening of days and the drawing in of nights, it seems to be an appropriate time to reflect and pray for our dead as the year and seasons turn towards the death of winter. It is the time of year when we can reflect on our encounters with sister death and ultimately an encounter which we will all have. Sister death is the shadow at our elbow, the constant friend at our door, our faithful companion throughout the journey of life who may at any time say, come, your time is complete. Irish folklore has many comments and expressions and reminders about it with sayings like, you know, there's no pockets in a shroud or there's no trailer after the hearse or it doesn't matter how much land you have, you still end up in a plot six foot by three foot. St. Francis of Assisi reminds us that remember that when you leave this earth, you can take nothing with you. You take, you take with you nothing that you have received, only what you have given. But coping with death and grief is difficult. And the gift of remembrance can ease the pain, although for some, it can also renew the pain, like reopening an old wound. It's fair to say that grief never leaves us. We only get better at carrying it with us. For the dead remain dead. When you have lost someone, when it feels like a person has been ripped away from you, when your very heart bleeds at the loss, no matter how long has passed, the heart can still pain. A smell, a noise, 
a memory, an expression, a favorite song, or something of theirs which you happen across can be the trigger to that moment of renewed pain. Especially for families where this November will be their first with that missing person. We need to be gentle with them and with ourselves and remind ourselves that there was a logic to, to the tradition of observing a period of mourning to allow people to become accustomed to carrying that pain in their lives. Acknowledging and recognizing our need to grieve is something that we have rediscovered in these strange times that we are living in. In many places and countries prior to COVID, we'd almost become fearful of the dead and dying, sanitizing the event, hiding it away in hospitals and care homes. We can sometimes not be especially comfortable with them. From the hospital to the mortuary or funeral home, people make their passage out of this world through a series of specialized rooms, clean, spare, sterile, discreetly hidden from the living whom they might make discomfort. So Kathleen Doherty writes, you know, dying in the sanitary environment of a hospital is a relatively new concept. In the late 19th century, dying at a hospital was reserved for people who had nothing and no one. Given the choice, a person wanted to die at home in their bed, surrounded by friends and family. But times have changed. And these days, of the half a million people who die each year in the UK, for example, only 18% do in their own home. The dying are sometimes hidden away and death is made an alien, even an abnormal occurrence, a pathogen to be contained. However, I think we'd all agree, the last few months have shattered that curtain, torn it back and presented death anew to us. But this COVID time hasn't just robbed the dead. It has robbed the living too. It has robbed the newlyweds the newly born, those who have transitioned in life, in schools, colleges, jobs. We have been robbed of these stasio moments in our life's journey. But it has also robbed the dead and especially those that grieve. Taken from them the social rites and rituals which help us to cope. They cling to life while beginning to take in the transition which has occurred because someone we loved has died. Take a breath now, hold it for a moment and breathe out. And we listen to this next piece of music, the silence and the sorrow. Is there time? 
So that was The Silence and the Sorrow by Liam Lawton. And it's an appropriate introduction to the next part of our reflection, where we will read the poem For Grief by John O'Donoghue. When you lose someone you love, your life becomes strange. The ground beneath you gets fragile. Your thoughts make your eyes unsure. And some dead echo drags your voice down where words have no confidence. Your heart has grown heavy with loss. And though this loss has wounded others too, no one knows what has been taken from you when the silence of absence deepens. Flickers of guilt kindle regret for all that was left unsaid or undone. There are days when you wake up happy 
again inside the fullness of life until the moment breaks and you are thrown back onto the black tide of loss. Days when you have your heart back, you are able to function well until in the middle of work or encounter, suddenly with no warning, you are ambushed by grief. It becomes hard to trust yourself. All you can depend on now is that sorrow will remain faithful to itself. More than you, it knows its ways and will find the right time to pull and pull the rope of grief until that coiled hill of tears has reduced to its last drop. Gradually, you will learn acquaintance with the invisible form of your departed. And when the work of grief is done, the wound of loss will heal and you will have learned to wean your eyes from that gap in the air and be able to enter the hearth in your soul where your loved one has awaited your return all the time.
So that piece of music was Libra, Rest in Peace, singing Rest in Peace, which was a nice counterpart to the poem by John O'Donoghue in grief. The next piece, the next reflection that we have is Psalm 130. And will be very familiar to people, and it's part of the Office of the Dead as well, which is in the, the liturgy of the hours. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. O let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleading. If you, O Lord, should mark our guilt, Lord, who would survive? But with you is found forgiveness, for this we revere you. My soul is waiting for the Lord, I count on his word. My soul is longing for the Lord more than watchmen for daybreak. Let the watchman count on daybreak and Israel on the Lord. Because with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption, Israel indeed he will redeem from all its iniquities. we just had there is a Gregorian chant called In Paradisum. And it used to form part of the, the old Latin mass, and but we still use it today in the prayers of commendation that people will be very familiar with. The translation of the hymn of the, of the, of the chant is, may angels lead you into paradise. Upon your arrival, may the martyrs receive you and lead you to the holy city of Jerusalem. May the ranks of angels receive you, and with Lazarus, the poor man, may you have eternal rest. The great prayer, the last prayer that is said over the remains of our beloved before they're taken to their place of final rest. A prayer which many of us would probably know, even though off, we know off, even though we don't know, we realize we know it off. So now we come to this part of our call to remembrance on the podcast this morning. And so we pause and we remember those and call and name those we want to remember. And in particular, this morning, myself and John are going to name some people. But as we do this, we invite you to call to mind your own beloved dead. We pray and we call and we call to remember all those who have died from COVID since January 2020. Lord, remember them. We call and we remember all those who died alone 
without family or comfort of their faith. Lord, remember them. We call and name those we want to remember, all those who died and for whom we as families and communities could not commemorate fully. Lord, remember them. We recall and name for all those healthcare and frontline workers who died. Lord, remember them. We call and name all those taken tragically through accident or untimely death due to cancer or other illness. Lord, remember them. Will you call and remember for those who through war, famine, disease and hunger? Lord, remember them. And finally now we take this moment and we invite you to call and remember with us as we remember all our beloved dead. Lord, remember them. A prayer of remembrance. God, thank you for the special people in our lives whom we are remembering in a special way during the month of November. We thank you for being a compassionate God who walked with us in our dark moments of grief and loneliness. We're thankful for all who continue to love and support us through our grief. Lord, continue to be a light for us. Give us hope, direction and courage. May we live our lives treasuring the memories of those special people we have known and loved and help us to bring light and hope to others. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We pray again for the dead. Into your hands, O Lord, we humbly entrust our brothers and sisters. In this life, you embrace them with your tender love. Deliver them now from every evil and bid them enter eternal rest. The old order has passed away. Welcome them into paradise where there will be no sorrow, no weeping nor pain, but fullness of peace and joy with your Son and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.
going home is a piece which is very common to funerals, particularly in Ireland. And for many people, I suppose it's very much tearjerker, you know. And that is why we, 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 we used it there at that particular moment when we were pausing and remembering, but also reminding us of the fact that death is not the end. For those of us that are Christian, we believe and we say that, you know, death is not the end. We say, death, where is thy victory? Death, where is thy sting? We celebrate and remember our beloved dead because as Christians, we say, life has changed, not ended. Because in Christ's victory, we have our hope. And so why we go through the month of November and we pray for our dead, it is truly a prayer of hope. John will now read for us from the Gospel of St. John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many places to live in. Otherwise I would have told you. I am now going to prepare a place for you. And after I have gone and prepared you a place, I shall return to take you to myself, so that you may be with me where I am. Thank you. 
The Tese hymn, Jesus Remember Me, is so appropriate for the month of November because it is, of course, the month of our remembrance and the prayer that Jesus will remember each of us and those we love. It may be tempting during the month of November, you know, sometimes to yield prematurely to the flashier and cozier charms of Christmas. I nearly died during the week when I saw already on the 3rd of November the Christmas ads were starting on the television. You know, it's easier to kind of give in to the jingle bells and the stars in the east and merry gentlemen. But we must remember to let the dead have November. We should, rem we should let them have this somber, chilly month with its purple grey skies and bare, windy trees. Say a prayer for all the departed during this month. And if you can, visit the resting places of your beloved dead. We will be reunited in the world to come. But until then, it's good to grieve for the separation. It's good to hold those who have gone before, both as objects of mercy and of reverence. To mourn as a Christian is to hold both the fullness of loss and the promise of resurrection at once. And the promise will be fulfilled. Blessed are those who mourn, says Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, for they shall be comforted. So we have now three final reflections, which are somewhat appropriate. And they come from three of Ireland's most recent philosophers, bards, if you will, uh, poets. So the first one is from the Kerryman John Moriarty. And it's a compilation of different interviews he gave before his death in 2007. And I believe myself, they are very thought-provoking and very inspiring words from that, uh, that great Kerryman. I was looking out to the east, out of my bedroom window, just as I was getting up for around seven o'clock, and there were long bands of mist all over Schlieffenkrug, East Kerry. And for the first time in my life, I had to look away because it was much more than beautiful. It was tremendous. When people ask me, are you happy? I'd say, that isn't quite the question. The real question is, am I still growing? Have I become a finished creation? Am I dead or am I still growing? And am I, is my life still an adventure? An adventure full of trouble, full of joy, full of pain, full of cataclysm. Am I still living dangerously? So, am I still growing is the real question. Uh, I'm a man of faith, like, and, you know, I have a kind of Christian faith, and our death isn't the end of the story, you know, and my life in the universe isn't the whole story, and so the healing is finally greater than the illness. Death is, death is a door through to something, to somewhere else, like. I got a great run at life, like, I'm 68 years of age, like, and if I was told, say, 30 years ago, 20 years ago that I was dying, like, I'd have been very, very sad indeed, because I'd have felt there was an awful lot of old stuff in me that I hadn't got out of me. But at this stage, like, I got a great run, 68 years, more or less, straight run, you know, and, like, I, a lot of old stuff that I needed to say and get out of me, I have said. There is no terminus like like that, you know. I will never say of myself that I'm terminally ill. 
Because, like, it's a departure lounge, not a terminal lounge. Like, it's life goes on. I'm absolutely sure of one thing. Like, I see myself as just going on, and I'll be different in a different place. Like, and I can only say that, that like, I do believe, like, that there is a hereafter. Can I just read one stanza to you? Yes, okay. It was written by Dylan Thomas at the age of 16, and it's called, And Death Shall Have No Dominion. And death shall have no dominion. Dead men naked, they shall be one with a man in the wind and the west winds, and their bones are picked clean and the clean bones gone. They shall have stars at elbow and foot. Though they go mad, they shall be sane. Though they sink through the sea, they shall rise again. Though lovers be lost, love shall not. And death shall have no dominion. And that wonderful line, and they shall have stars at elbow and foot. And if there are people lying in the flat of their back in St. Luke's Hospital today or in, some, or in other hospitals, you know, I want to say to them, God bless us all. Like, who we are from conception to death isn't the whole story. Our life in the universe isn't the whole story. And the universe itself isn't the whole story. And a day will come. I know it, Joe. A day will come when we all of us will have stars at elbow and foot. So that was from some wonderful words of reflection from John Moriarty. So now we're going to cross the Shannon to County Clare and to John O'Donoghue up to Finor, where he's from, and a beautiful reflection of another reflection or poem that John wrote and which is very, uh, very well known from his book, Benedictus. So just to listen to John recite it now himself. Day when the weight deadens on your shoulders, and you stumble, may the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the grey window and the ghost of loss gets into you, may a flock of colours, indigo, red, green and azure blue, come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays in the corrock of thought and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours, may the clarity of light be yours, may the fluency of the ocean be yours, may the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life. And that was John O'Donoghue reading from his poem. And finally, our final reflection seems so apt this month, given that we have only recently said goodbye to the bard of Valley Longford, Brendan Kennelly. And... It is, of course, his great poem, Begin Again. And so we have a recording of Brendan reciting it at the Listowel Reuters Festival. And as we exit this podcast of reflection, I think it's an appropriate one for us as we go through the month of November to remember that no matter what happens, we are called to begin again. Brendan Kennelly reciting his own poem. Begin again to the counting birds, 
to the sight of light at the window, beginning to the roar of morning traffic all along Pembroke Road. Every beginning is a promise, born in light and dying in dark, determination and exaltation of springtime flowering the way to work. Begin to the pageant of queuing girls, to the arrogant loneliness of swans in the canal, to bridges linking the past and future, to old friends passing, though with us still. Begin to the loneliness that cannot end, since it perhaps is what makes us begin. Begin to wonder at unknown faces, at crying birds in the sudden rain, at branches stark in the willing sunlight, at seagulls foraging for bread, at couples sharing a sunny secret, alone together while making good. Though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in something Something that will not acknowledge conclusion insists that we forever begin. Thank you for participating with us in this moment of reflection.
Make you to shine like the sun.